Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're going to chat with a gentleman who's at the top of his category that I call an elite entrepreneur. We're going to speak with the king of schmooze, Cody Lowry. Now, we're all here listening to the show because we want to grow our business. That's a given. And we want to impress our colleagues, clients, and prospects. That's a given. Now, we all use statistics and a whole lot of public relations and media tools and events to do this. But one thing we may not all keep in mind is that we need more than a write-up in a magazine. We need something more than just a digital graphic or a picture. We got to show ourselves. We got to be there. We got to communicate. We got to get our message across in a nice and friendly way, don't we? Now, I know most of you will agree to that. And so we're going to talk about helping to impress others that we need to impress. That's what we call schmooze. Do you want to learn how to communicate like a pro? Listen up and stay tuned. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. Meet Cody Lowry. He's an advertising agency owner for 30 years. He's also an on-air and voice talent for three decades as well. Talk about schmooze. He set up a meeting with the president of the United States in one week. He got a baseball signed by the Pope. And I didn't know the Pope played baseball. He carried the torch in the Olympic torch relay. He was even gifted a Super Bowl ring. How about that? And list goes on. I'm going to let him tell you about that and so much more. Let's bring him on. Hi, Cody. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Hello, Tony. I am delighted to be with you coming to you from Tampa Bay, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've lived there before. It's a beautiful country, beautiful skies and in the, in the daytime and in the evening, I've never seen a sky in my life turn so many different colors. And you have to be there in Tampa to, to understand what I say. It's absolutely beautiful. And aside from speaking about Tampa, we're all here looking forward to learning about how to use schmooze to help our business grow. So let's kind of take well, let me, the top. Let me start off. I, I wrote a book that uh, hopefully your viewers can see in, in the background. It's called Schmooze what they should teach at Harvard Business School. And schmooze comes from the Yiddish word schmooze, which means to chat idly in a friendly or persuasive manner so as to gain advantage. I have redefined the word schmooze. And, and really, first and foremost, uh, Tony, it's about being genuine. And I think people that will read the book um, will come away with, with just that. You mentioned some, some things that have happened in my life, some incredible things that I give all the credit to schmoozing. And they happened not because I was Eddie Haskell and was trying to impress somebody, but because maybe I reached out to them when they needed it. Maybe I mentored to them. Uh, maybe, I, uh, maybe they're one of the people that uh, I built relationships. And incidentally, we have clients on the books that we've had for over 30 years. And hopefully a little later in the show, I'll be able to talk about uh, the secret sauce. Uh, uh, it's all about building relationships and uh, getting the customer to trust you and never letting them down. So, but the, the book is about, um, the sizzle of the book is all those things that you talk about, but it's really about, it's about a winning smile. It's about making a great first impression. 
Uh, it is about building relationships. It's, it's about learning how to communicate like a pro. And, and uh, in one of the books, I, I talk about schmoozing from the podium. And I think it's so important for a lot of uh, your, your new entrepreneurs out there to be able to get up in front of people and know how to make a presentation. And, and uh, you know, Warren Buffett, when he started out in business, he was scared to death to get up in front of people. So I, I address that in, in the book. Um, Cody, let's introduce your, you just a little bit more to the audience. They, they see the book and they're familiar with, we're going to talk about schmooze. I just right. kind of want to get the, a uh, little bit more of the warm and fuzzy, maybe from a different point of view, just a little bit more of your backstory and kind of how you got into it. Yeah, well, I've got a very, very interesting backstory, as you refer to it. You know, most people, Tony, they, uh, you know, they, they've got a good rags to, to riches story, but mine is kind of a riches to rags story. My, my uh, mother was raised with the Blue Bloods in Detroit. Uh, she was, uh, her grandfather was, the, or her father was the first uh, president of Wayne State University. Uh, he was superintendent of schools in Detroit for 30 years. There's a uh, high school there named after him. And, and so she had a, a pretty cushy upbringing. And um, then she met my father and it was still pretty cushy because he came from a, a pretty good background, a furniture company out of Chicago. And they met as camp counselors at Camp Chicopee in, uh, in Northern Michigan. So they got, they got married and they had this beautiful uh, wedding. And about two years later, my dad with, uh, you know, what inheritance he had, he decided to come to South Florida and make his fortune. And unfortunately, that did not happen. Both my mother and father got very fond of the bottle. And uh, within a seven-year period, in a seven-mile radius, we actually moved 32 times. I can remember coming home from school with my little brother one day, Tony, and we didn't live there anymore. There were locks on the doors. I can remember uh, actually uh, moving on Christmas Day. And uh, I can remember like it was yesterday, Tony, my mom is all upset. What about the Christmas tree? What about the Christmas tree? And my dad ran into the house. And it's the last thing we took on the back of a, a he threw on the back of a pickup truck was our, was our Christmas tree, you know, with the ornaments and lights and, and tinsel. I don't know if you remember tinsel, but I do. And um, so my dad left. And then my mom, when, when I was around nine years old, she had to go to work for the first time in her life. She never had had a job. She went to a finishing school, Arlington Hall in, in Washington, DC. And uh, it was, um, you know, it really didn't prepare her for life. It prepared her for, you know, maybe the social world. So I, I, I really admire her and, and, and what she did, Tony, because she had four kids to raise. And and, um, you know, she went out and she became a hostess at a restaurant. She was a classified ad girl. And, and I can remember um, her sitting there sometimes after she'd have a few cocktails when she got home. And she'd say, you know, you kids may not have anything. She says, but you've got blue blood running. I didn't even know what blue blood was, right? You've got blue blood running through your veins and you can do anything you want and be anything you want to be. And, and it's funny, we we all started working at an early age. And I mean, we had the Gantt shirts and the Weijin shoes and we hung out with the, you know, the doctor's kids and the lawyer's kids. And, and when you look at my backstory um, and, and um, I sold papers at age 11 and I learned some life lessons there 
that I'd like to share with your with your audience today that um, really prepared me for um, a lot of things that have happened in my life. Yeah, I used to sell, um, I, got, I got a job at age 11 selling newspapers for the Miami News. And the Miami News was like the third ranked paper in South Florida. You had the Miami Herald, you had the Fort Lauderdale News, then you had the Miami News. And we lived in Fort Lauderdale and um, my beat for selling papers was the Sunrise Shopping Center. And every day after school, I would, I would run over there and I'd get my 15 papers and, and I'd start hawking my papers. So one of the first things I learned was no doesn't necessarily mean no. So if Tony came walking by in a huff and a puff and I said, paper, sir, paper, sir. And if you ignored me, which I, I hate today when people ignore me uh, and you just kept walking by, I'd say, sir. Would you buy a paper if I told you where you got your shoes, what state you were born in, how many birthdays you've had? Well, for a nickel, most people would bite. They'd turn around, they'd look, and I'd say, you got your shoes on your feet, you were born in the state of infancy, and you've only had one birthday the day you were born. So it was a good laugh and a nickel, you know, nobody got hurt. So some other lessons I learned. Saturdays, they used to give me 30 papers. And I took great pride in selling those 30 papers. And, you know, I'd, I'd get there in the morning about nine o'clock and about, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, I would, I would head to the house and, and it wasn't just selling papers. I, ha I had a lot of fun with my customers along the way, but um, I got to, I got to the uh, paper stand and the managers is, uh, got 50 papers for me to sell that Saturday. And um, I knew that that wasn't possible. And I told him that it wasn't possible. And, you know, he gave me the Newt Rockney speech. Oh, come on, kid, you can do it. And, blah, blah, blah. and next thing I know, I'm, I've got this goal. I've got to sell 50 papers today. I got to tell you that day, Tony, I walked and I talked to more people. I actually talked to several people twice. I was selling the Miami news, the blue street edition, and nobody gave a damn if it was the blue street. Nobody wanted the Miami news. So it was about, it was, it was getting close to six o'clock. I was getting tired. I had 12 papers left. And um, I decided that I would uh, go across the street to a Jewish delicatessen called Wolfie's. And um, they, um, it, it, was a, it was a booming place. And uh, I'd go over there and sell my 12 papers. So I'm walking across the street and I almost can't believe what I'm, what I'm seeing. There is a man selling the early edition of the Sunday Miami Herald. And he's got the Herald stacked up to the, the awning. Now, I must tell you that the Miami Herald at the time and perhaps today was, was, was bigger than the New York Times. It was, it was about two inches thick and it was like 50 cents at the time. And, you know, my paper was, you know, the, the, the late edition of the Blue Street Miami News was a nickel. So, you know, if I'd been a little smarter, I probably would have, uh, you know, not decided not to sell papers in front of Wolfie's. This guy couldn't give them away fast enough. He didn't have to say a word. But I, what I did is I, I decided to give it the old, uh, you know, college try. And um, I started hawking the Miami News. And everybody that came out of the restaurant got an enthusiastic Miami News, Miami News, Blue Street Edition. Well, I couldn't get people to look at me twice, you know? And um, so I was just about ready to hang it up. And a guy comes blowing out of the, the restaurant and he, he's, he goes almost running. 
And I go, Miami News, sir? And he ignores me. Remember, I don't like to be ignored. So I go running after him. Sir, would you buy a paper if I told you where you got your shoes, what state you were born in, how many birthdays you've had? Tony, he turned around so abruptly, I thought he was going to hit me. And then he looked down at me and he said, son, how many papers do you have left? And I said, sir, I have 12 papers. He said, that's exactly how many I want. And then I want you to go home. So I learned, obviously, uh, no, didn't meet no. I learned all about persistence and, and staying in the game. But I also learned something that stayed with me my whole life. And I'm, um, I'm happy to share with you later how, how my kids have taken on this, this uh, characteristic. But one today, moment for a station identification here. Okay. We're speaking with the king of schmooze, Cody Lowry, and you can find him at mrschmooze.com. And I'm going to spell that. That's M-R for Mr. M-R. Schmooze is S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.com, mrschmooze.com. Cody, this is an amazing story you're talking about. You just sold 12 papers and you gave the guy your schmooze. I still want to find out how you learned that schmooze was effective, but I know you're going there. I'm going to give it back to you. You sold your 12 papers. What happened then? Yeah. So the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, lessons that I learned there, I mean, they're lessons for life. And one, uh, and it's, it's throughout the book schmooze, and, and that's reaching out to um, the less fortunate. And, um, you know, as, as I said, my, my kids have taken on this characteristic. They're involved in all kinds of charities, and, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, but, but schmooze is, um, uh, again, it, it is about being genuine. And uh, when I was uh, building my, my, my career, you know, I did uh, things that, you know, people would say, wow, setting up a meeting with the president of the United States in one week? Are you kidding and, you know, it was done. I, I'm uh, In the book, people will read about how I got a baseball signed by the Pope. I had people laughing at me, thought that was the craziest thing. And, yeah, and you know, know what? I didn't know he played baseball. No, what I'd like to know is how to communicate like a pro. I'm looking at some of the chapters of your book. There's, there's some amazing stuff here. One of, the, one of the things that caught me as well as I'm sure catches everybody's attention in the audience, we all want to communicate like a pro. What does that mean and how do we do that? And what's different perhaps from how we're doing it now? Well, I think first and foremost, I could, I could probably, uh, um, you know, go back to my original thought, you know, it's, it's about being genuine and authentic and real and, and not trying to give anybody the, the razzle dazzle. And, and I can tell you that it is, is a, uh, it's something that has uh, served me and uh, contrary to the, the connotation that most people hear about schmooze, it, it works. Uh, you know, when I talk about the secret sauce and, and uh, building relationships, and we've got clients on the books that we've had for, you know, 31 years. And, and when, when you look at, uh, you know, the, the, the different elements of that, building the relationship, getting the client to trust you, and then never letting them down, uh, a lot of that answers your question. When you talk about building the relationship, you know, so most people think, well, it's going to take me a month, two months, three months. You know, people start making a value judgment about you in the first 45 seconds that they meet you. And they, um, they're making a decision on whether they, you know, want to do business with you or whether they like you. I can tell you that in meetings that, that, that I've had over the years and still have, 
if I'm going in to see some, you know, big CEO or whoever the decision maker is, I probably know more about that guy than, 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 than he can believe. I know what college he went to. I know, I know the clubs he belongs to. I, I know uh, the, you know, how many kids he has. And, and so I always did my homework when I, when I went in to see a, a, a client and uh, especially if they were a decision maker and, and it served me very well. I mean, I, uh, it gave me an opportunity to get uh, on common ground with these people. Oh, you went to the University of Florida. My daughter went to the University of Florida. And all of a sudden it takes on, you know, a whole new conversation. And these people really start to get to know you. And I can tell you there was one time where making that first impression got me a multi-million dollar account. I was, uh, I was in Florida at the time advertising, as you, as you mentioned earlier. And I had a call from a Toyota dealer. He um, invited me to the Grove Park Inn to come up and have dinner with the Toyota dealers and, um, uh, you know, get a chance to meet him. And I had done business with this gentleman when he was in Florida. He was with a Chevrolet dealership at the time. And, and so I took him up on it. And up I went to the Grove Park Inn. And, and uh, I, I got there in the I got there a little late, but I walked in, they were having a cocktail party and, and I can work a room pretty good. And you talk about how to communicate uh, like a pro, what you want to do is you, you want to, you want to meet and greet, but you're still gathering information. And my, my whole thought process in, in that particular uh, setting was to, you know, come away, build some relationships and, and um, you know, maybe down the road, I would do business with these people. So we go on and we, we, we were at dinner and one of the dealers looks at me and he said, he said, Cody, who did you bring with you? And I thought that was an odd question. Uh, I said, what do you mean? Who did I bring with you, with me? And uh, he went on to say, Tony, that they were having an advertising pitch in the morning and there were four agencies that were making presentations and my agency was one of them. I almost dropped dead. I couldn't even believe it. You know, one of the things that the gentleman left out about, you know, the Toyota dealers are, you know, getting together. He never mentioned an advertising presentation. So I've got a choice here. I can either run home in the morning with my tail between my legs and say, you know what? I didn't know there was a, you know, going to be a presentation. It's a multi-million dollar piece of business. The, co the uh, company that has it now, uh, if I mentioned their name, they're multi-billion dollar agency. But I could, have, I could have gone home with my tail between my legs. And, and then I started thinking about it. You know, when I was up at my room and um, no, I didn't know the market, but I knew, our, I knew our media strategy and I could share that. And I didn't have any creative forum, but, but I knew our creative strategy. And I just had done I, what I did have with me is what we call a sizzle reel. It's our, you know, bing, bang, wow reel. And that was as good as anybody that was coming. And so I decided rather than uh, calling the, 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 the dealer and telling him that I was heading to Florida and I didn't know it was an advertising uh, pitch, I decided to stay there and do as uh, best I could. So Tony, when you're in an advertising pitch, you either want to be first up or you want to be last up. And I was last up. When I got there in the morning, the other agencies are there and the, the, each agency has at least four people. They got storyboards. They're all in their, you know, double breasted suits. And, uh, you know, they got parting gifts for the dealers. The dealers like parting gifts. And so they had those kinds of things. 
And uh, so I was the last agency. They had the first agency come second, third, and now they, they invite me in. And I walk in the room, and this is why it's so important to build that relationship quickly. Cody, hey, how you doing, man? That was fun last night. I enjoyed, you know, and now they're, I'm, I'm like one of them. I'm part of the team, right? I had an opportunity that, the, that uh, my competition didn't have. I had an opportunity to build relationships quickly, and, um, and it worked. Uh, and I say it worked. I got up there and uh, I was up there probably for about 35 minutes, you know, and I just, I gave it my all. Um, and um, I left. And one thing about dealers is it doesn't take them long to make a decision. And about an hour later, they came, uh, a gentleman by the name, I'll mention his name, maybe he'll, he'll hear Joe Bertolami, Italian guy. Oh, and he okay. comes, he, yeah, 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 you, you know. So he comes out and he, uh, he uh, comes and he gets me, you know, they want to see you, Cody, you know. So I go into the room, he closes the door, they all stand up and they applaud. Wow. And I got that account and I, how do you communicate like a pro? By building relationships and building them quickly. And again, a fallback on being genuine. Cody, as part of your building relationships, it seems like it to me, not just schmooze, which can have a little bit of a bad connotation. We've we've talked about it, defined it a little bit at the beginning, but you're a people person. You get right in there. It's almost like an Italian. You get in personal, you chat. You're all about making friends and, and getting to know people as opposed to selling or doing what I consider the American thing is just start selling. You know, you're in there, you're in there. You, you know, some of our Italian secrets, you're in there just getting to know people, which I think is really the key to it. Yeah. If, if people like you, you're going a whole long way in, in, in getting the business. The other two parts of that build the relationship uh, is getting the client to trust you. And I can tell you that over the years, our agency is screwed up like anybody else, wrong media, wrong creative, wrong, you name it. And we've done it. And, and I've, I've been through this scenario many times where uh, AE will come in or somebody in media or what have you, and they're scared to death. You know what? We screwed up. What do we do? What do we do? Um, here's what we do, kids. Here's what we do, gang. We tell them the truth. You know, we're only human. We made a mistake and, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to try to sugarcoat it. And, and uh, you know, there are no white lies. And, and I got to tell you when, when the client trusts you, when he really truly trusts you, um, they are yours for life. And um, the, the third uh, uh, pedal to that is um, never let them down. And, and I know that's a tall order and, um, maybe it should be endeavor never to let them down because some people you can never please. But, but I can tell you that to this day, Tony, I still have people that will call me on the weekend, crazy hours and, and they'll call. And now, you know, we can look down at our phones and go, am I going to answer this? Well, you know, for a lot of people, I'm their blankie and they've got a reason for calling me. It may not even be business, but it's important to them. So it's important to me. So I'm always, always there. And even for the even for the ones that, you know, maybe I really don't want to talk to, I talk to them. Um, and I think that has served me well. And I, and I think it will, will serve your listeners well if they can just remember those three things. Build the relationship, get the client to trust you, and then endeavor to never, ever let them down. 
Cody, getting the client to trust you takes work sometimes because there's a lot of people out there. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there. They just want to take money. There's yeah. a group that just wants to take money and the group that wants to take money and deliver something honest as best as possible. And you really have to work, I believe, to, to show who you are and which side you're on. Any tips on that? Yeah, well, I can tell you, I've had an, I had an experience like that. There were, I was pitching a, a big regional um, jewelry chain, and uh, we had to fly off to Timbuktu and, and make a presentation, and I had done the creative. And th this guy uh, that I was with um, was pretty much um, the, the person you're talking about. We got in there, we pitched the creative, he loved the, the creative and um, all right, what's, what's this creative gonna cost me? I'm thinking, you know, let's build relationships, let's get on board, let's, you know, live to see another day. And, and you know, instead of having this client for, you know, a, a Christmas celebration, let's have him for, you know, life. And uh, so I, I quoted him off the cuff, some, some, uh, some pricing. And it was thousands upon thousands of dollars less than what, you know, uh, this other gentleman uh, thought it should have been. And, and the reason that he was even there, it was his lead. He knew the CEO or whatever. And um, we got in the biggest argument uh, coming back. And, and, and yeah, there's a lot of people out there. It's all about the money. And you know what? If you, if you follow your heart and you follow your passion, the money's going to be there. The money shouldn't be uh, first and foremost with, with you know, any uh, undertaking. I like that a lot because I think that's how it has to be, is the relationship first and the money just follows, especially if you can show that you can produce a good product and service. That's really refreshing. Now, should we really teach this in schools? Because they've got a whole different paradigm and model and everything else going on. Well, you know, Nito Quibane, my, my good friend, president of High Point University, and wrote the foreword to, to Schmooze, he said, today we live in the most connected society in the history of the world, and yet we're, we're more disconnected than ever before. And he's absolutely right. If you look at, uh, you know, you look at our younger generation, you look at the, the, the highest uh, uh, percentage of, of people that are taking their lives are in that 18 to 22 uh, uh, group. And, and um, I, th I think that our, our younger generation, um, they're, they're missing the, you know, the, the social skills that we had to learn growing up. And they're, they've got their, you know, they've got their head buried in a, in a, a computer or an iPhone uh, most of the time. So, you know, schmooze is, is it's all about hearkening back to the days when we looked people in the eye, we greeted them with a smile, our, our word was our bond, and, and our relevancy wasn't based on our, you know, social life, how many likes and looks we get. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, today more than ever before, it should be taught in not just Harvard, uh, but every, uh, every other college for that matter. Cody? Being in advertising is tough. I've been in lead generation and marketing. I had my own lead generation marketing company for a while. It's a tough business, fierce competition. To have made it and have done it successfully for three decades is a feat in itself. But I got to ask you, I'm certain, uh, I, you didn't even have to answer the question. I just know that there was probably a time 
where you were just going to throw in the towel and said, it's over. I'm done. I'm out of here. And yet you continued and you and you made it through. So I want to talk about the most, let's call it the most significant turning point in your career. Yeah, and I, that, that, that's an easy um, answer for me, Tony, because early on, you know, I opened up my own advertising shop and it was called Creative Communique. My uh, office was all of about 500 square feet. It was me and, you know, um, Gal Friday, if you will. And um, somehow I got the attention of a great big ad guy in town. And I, I, I'm not going to mention the name of the ages, but it was huge. And um, one of the people at the TV station said, you know, you ought to meet Joe. And um, uh, he's looking for somebody like you. So Joe got with me and um, uh, he took me over to his, his offices. And it was like three stories down underneath was was a production company, which at the time nobody had except him. Then you'd walk up the stairs into the, you know, the formal area where people came in and, and then you'd walk through the spiral staircase up to the, you know, the, where the, the big conference room was and the executive offices. And I mean, I went, wow, this is really something. Well, he was, he was schmoozing me and he wanted me to uh, come to work for him. And I, I had this entrepreneurial blood running through my veins you know, and uh, at the time, and um, I, I, I didn't want to work for him. And so about two weeks later, he, he decided that what he would do is engage me in a conversation where we would start a new company together. And we did that. And I, it, it's much too, too long a story to tell the, everything here. But, you know, what was a turning point for me getting with this guy, having him you know, bury us to the tune of about $400,000. And uh, he was, I was the sales guy and he was, you know, he was doing the books and, you know, the stuff behind the scenes. He was also, you know, building a home in the islands and doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, he, he would show me a statement and had work in progress. Well, at the time I didn't know what work in progress and, you know, that's work that you're, you know, that's, that's in progress that you're supposedly quote unquote going to get paid for it someday down the road. Right. Well, that never happened. And I can remember him uh, actually exiting the office when I confronted him and, and his uh, accountant and I'm sitting there, I don't know where I'm at. And, you know, I call in the accountants and they let me know that, uh, you know, you're, you're behind the eight ball. And, um, then I called my attorneys and I said, oh, well, I'll tell you what you do, Cody. Uh, what we'll do is we'll file bankruptcy and then we'll start under a new name. And I looked at him. I said, are you crazy? Why would I do that? Now, $400,000 doesn't sound like so much today, but back in the, in the 80s, that was a lot of money. And $400,000 to you know, dig yourself out of that hole was, was, was going to be tough. And, and I knew it. And um, you know, I let him know in no uncertain terms that that's not what I wanted to do. And that's not what I was going to do. So, I mean, the next day I went and saw all the most of most of the, the money with the exception of, I don't know, maybe 150 was owed to the bank. Um, I went to all the, the TV stations and I met with the general manager and I explained what was happening. And um, they all gave me, you know, credit and time to pay it off. And I did. And it's, uh, I think it's one of my prouder moments in business because I could have given up right then. And, you know, how easy would that have been to, 
you know, yeah, let's let's just bankruptcy, you know, file bankruptcy and we'll call it fat chance advertising, you know, we'll we'll be there in the morning. And and so, uh, yeah, that was a that was a time that I uh, I remember and and fondly, um, I can tell you the way it turned out. Cody, that's very admirable. As we talked about just a little bit, we alluded to, you know, there's let's call it a school or a school of thought or group of people just go for the money, any kind, just get the money, make the money. Well, making money is nice, but then there's a time when you go home and it's either empty or it's full of strangers. So how do you successfully balance your work and your life and keep everything going? Well, I've never been asked that question before, but I can tell you that, that, um, it's, it's kind of easy for me because my, my, uh, my best friends and my wife's best friends are also our clients. So they all kind of, you know, kind of meshes together one big happy family. And, uh, you know, we, we travel together, we go out to dinner together. We, uh, you know, uh, with that said, I have, uh, I have, you know, several, uh, friends outside of, of, of my, my business realm, but, uh, for the most, for the most part, I mean, my best friends are, uh, in media or they're, they're clients. So it's, it's, it's kind of easy for me. <laughs> Cody, I've got to ask, what's the best schmoozing you've ever done? I think the best schmoozing, and you know what, in the front of the book, I talk about setting up a meeting with the president of the United States, getting a baseball signed by the Pope, being uh, the recipient of a Super Bowl ring from one of NFL's Hall of Fame coaches, carrying the torch in the Olympics. One thing that isn't part of the sizzle is something that's in the book. And wherever I go, I just was on in, um, in Scottsdale doing a, doing a talk and, and uh, everybody wanted to know about Saturday Night Live. That is one heck of a story about persistence. Earlier in, in my career, I did stand-up comedy. And uh, I, um, when I started out, you know, at, when, I, when I was starting out, you know, they, you really didn't work comedy clubs. You got an honorarium or you didn't. And you kind of had to learn your craft by, you know, going into different comedy clubs if they'd have you and, and just, you know, getting up and, and doing a set or two. So my wife and I had decided that we were going to um, move to Las Vegas. We had, uh, we spent a lot of time thinking about this and I was getting started. I was getting some gigs and what have you. And I, I told my wife, you know, we've been to Las Vegas and we talked to, you know, a top comedian out there that was actually opening shows for, you know, some pretty big name stars. But I said, I got to go to New York and, and really kind of see what that's all about. So I took off for New York. I didn't have a lot of money. I stayed at the YMCA by the United Nations, which is, you know, not the Four Seasons. And um, I, um, I started hitting the street. I went to Catch a Rising Star and um, the improv and, and uh, wanted to see what that was all about. The, the audience, uh, frankly, uh, they, they seemed a little too hip for me. But uh, one night I went to uh, Saturday Night Live not Saturday Night Live, Catch a Rising Star. And, um, you know, I told the guy who I was from, from Tampa, Florida, and, you know, he put me on the list. And uh, I actually uh, played at the hottest comedy club in the world at the time. And, and really, I hadn't paid my dues yet. 
you know, to be real honest with myself, but I got out there and, you know, I made it happen. So the next day I think, well, I got a couple of days here. I'm in New York. I know, I know. I'll audition for Saturday Night Live while I'm here. It's like, <laughs> I know. I'll get a haircut tomorrow. I, you know, I mean, to just, to, for that to come to my head, and the number one for me to actually believe that I could make that happen, you know, and I did believe it. And uh, so I started to make it happen. And I called, I called the, uh, the show and uh, I asked who was in charge of talent. His name was John Head, uh, an English chap and nice gentleman. Believe it or not, Tony, they put me right through to this guy. And uh, Mr. Head, my name is Cody Lowry and I'm from Tampa, Florida. And I really want to audition for the show. I'm only up here a couple of days uh, more. And um, I said, I think I got something that you like. And uh, he said, uh, tell me more. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, uh, Jimmy Carter uh, is, is running for president and I do a great Jimmy Carter. My name is Jimmy Carter. Always tell the truth. If I ever tell a lie, I don't know the tooth. And um, so anyway, I get his attention, right? He said, Cody, give me a call tomorrow and yada, yada, yada. So I called him tomorrow and now, you know, reality starts to set in. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Head is not available. I'm sorry, Mr. Head is at lunch. I'm sorry, Mr. Head is with somebody right now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And now it's driving me nuts, right? So that night I thinking, well, you know what? And this is before the advent of cell phones. Um, people had a home phone and most of us were, were listed. And I said, maybe he's listed. So I call him up or I find him in the, in the book, um, call the information, I get him and I call the number. It must be six o'clock, seven o'clock. He answers the phone. I recognized his voice. And I said, Mr. Head, this is Cody Lowry. And there is a pause on the other end of that phone. He goes, you are amazing. And uh, I said, well, I'm only in town. Hey, listen, come by tomorrow. And he gave me a time to come by. And now <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to audition for Saturday Night Live. Wow. Next day, I, I uh, get to Rockefeller center and I'm going up the elevator and I'm starting to get nervous for the first time in my life. Right. I mean, I'm really nervous. My mouth is getting all, you know, cotton mouth and what have you, but I got to tell you something, Tony, that, that elevator opened and I started looking at the, 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 the pictures on the wall, Bellucci and Radner and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden I felt a calmness, like this is where I belong. And I went up to the I went up to the receptionist and I said, Cody Lowry here for Mr. Head. And she said, yes, he's expecting you. And she ushered me off to a room. It wasn't really a stage. There was like a platform and um, I was waiting around. He came in just a nice, nice gentleman. And, and um, he said, well, get up there and show me what you got. So one of the, my, my surefire pitches at the time was a, was a fast sell on vasectomy. I'd done it in college and then I'd done it at, uh, with some younger groups, uh, you know, when I was performing and um, it was a fast sell on vasectomy. 
Are you tired of using those same old contraceptive measures? You know the ones that are so tiresome, burdensome, usually carry with it some degree of risk. What's a frustrating couple to do? Why not do what so many Americans are doing and turn to that one sure way to rid yourself of those pesty little creatures? Vasectomy, friends. Yes, vasectomy. The least expensive, most reliable form of birth control is now available to you in this do-it-yourself kit for only $14.95. And I won't get into the vast efferents and everything, but it was always a winner, right? And then I did my Jimmy Carter and he loved it. And he said, Cody, hold it right there. I'm going to have some other people come in and, and uh, uh, look at the Jimmy Carter. So they came in and there wasn't a formal introduction, but I sat there and I did my, my name is Jimmy Carter. I always tell the truth. If I would tell, I go know the truth. Now, a lot of people think I'm prejudiced. Come from the South. I want the American people to understand one thing right now. Of my four children, two of them are black, you know, so, um, and they laughed and, and uh, Mr. Head was, um, you know, he wasn't rolling in the floor, but I could tell he liked me. And, you know, I was probably schmoozing him a little bit at the time. And the last thing he said to me, and I haven't seen him since, he said, listen, I'm going to catch you around town. I visit a lot of the clubs and see what's happening. If this guy becomes president, you know, let's talk or something to that effect. <laughs> so I went back to, uh, I went back to Florida and I never pursued comedy again. And people um, ask me uh, on many, many occasions, they still ask me today, do you ever regret not take, you know, going to Las Vegas? And if they will look in the front of my book, there is a picture of me with my 11 grandchildren. And I can tell you that being the headliner at Caesar's Palace doesn't come close to what uh, I've accomplished. And, and, and I say, I've accomplished my, my wonderful children accomplished. So uh, it, it's great. And, and, you know, the performing and the comedy uh, has helped me, you know, obviously in, in business, you know, I, I, uh, I tell people to develop a sense of humor. And while I know everyone, you know, wasn't born with a, a lampshade on their head, you know, they don't have to be a, uh, you know, a stick in the mud when they go to a, um, you know, go to a, a, a party or some sort of a business meeting or what have you. So it, it has served me well. Fascinating story. Absolutely love it. I'm just laughing. I'm just holding it in. Just, it's so funny. Once again, we spoke with the King of Schmooze, Cody Laurie, and you can find him at mrschmooze.com. Mr. Schmooze, I just want to thank you so much for sharing and regaling us with your stories and anecdotes and inside to the audience inside this is a lot, or is it the word are grammatically speaking inside are a lot of lessons, more than one. That's more than one things to learn. Play this again. I don't have to say that. And I shouldn't say that because you'll play it again anyways, because it was so mm -hmm. funny. You go, what did I miss? Play it again. And I know I just said not to say that, but anyways, there's great stuff here that really is helpful. I, I, there's some definite nuggets here and you're just going to love it. So I just want to say thank you so much for giving us all this great wisdom today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. Time went by quickly. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We talked with the King of Schmooze, Cody Laurie. What an insightful, exciting, fun, wonderful communication. We talked about so many things about communicating, how to communicate like a pro. We talked about building relationships that last. He gave us some of his secret sauce. We talked about the power of persistence. You can just see it. It just exudes in his persona and his communication 
in his story. We talked about how to really schmooze your way to a better life. It's not just having the client one time. It's having that relationship for life. And yes, this should be taught in colleges. Tell me, what resonated the most with you? I really appreciate you listening. I look forward to hearing from you. Please give us your feedback. And also, I know I ask this periodically, please uh, consider supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any access to an Apple device, you'll find it right there or just ask me and I'll show you how to do it. And also, most important of all, please share this with a few friends and help them too, okay? Let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks, remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.